you are in for a treat. We've got a great message, a great time of worship coming up. So uh, let's get started. Church, first off this morning, um, if I can have any of the kids, I see a bunch that just walked in this morning. So any of the kids that are here with us this morning, if you guys want to come down to the front here and join us for Children's Church, and we are going to welcome Miss Melody this morning. Good morning, children. Come sit up front. This is Thanksgiving season. Did you know that? Well, it's coming soon, and you know what? I like to decorate our house for Thanksgiving. So if you come to our front door, you'll see a wreath that has pretty fall-colored leaves. And then if you come inside, you'll see more fall leaves. Of course, there are silk flowers. And there are some pumpkins and pilgrims and even some turkeys. And our Winnie the Pooh has a pilgrim hat on. He sits in the rocking chair. But here's one of the little pumpkins we always decorate with at Thanksgiving, and it says, we give thanks to God. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. It's a time to think about God and thank him for all he does. We have another decoration at our house that's not something I just bring out for Thanksgiving. It's something on the wall all the time, not just at Thanksgiving, and I stitched this with embroidery thread, and it's a Bible verse, and the next slide, we'll read the Bible verse together. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And that's found in Psalm 118.1. So I don't think I can set this back. We'll put it on the chair. But you know what? I really like to study God's word. And I'm kind of like a detective. And I look really close at God's word. And this chapter in the book of Psalm is very interesting because the very first verse and the very last verse are exactly the same. Verse 29 says the same thing. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Endures means it goes on and on. It's long lasting. And then if I study that chapter again really close, I found out that no, not only does the first verse and the last verse talk about giving thanks to God, but in the middle of the chapter, in three different verses, it says, I will give thanks. So what do you think is a very important message in this chapter 118? We saw it at the beginning, at the end, and in the middle. thanks to the Lord. She got it right. She's like a detective too, trying to find out what is the Bible saying to us. And you know what? Sometimes when they wrote scripture, they liked to repeat the most important message so we wouldn't forget it. This psalm used to be sung by the people in Bible times, and singing was a way to remember something important. And I found out that maybe Jesus and his disciples sang this very chapter that we're talking about today after their last supper together. 
And that reminds me about singing. If we go to the next slide, we're going to look at some scripture in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here again, what is you think the most important part of that? So, give to give thanks to Jesus. How often did that verse, those verses say we should give thanks? How often? A lot. <laughs> it's always. And I thought we could conclude our lesson today by singing together, talking about thanks. And so the words are on the screen. I don't know if you know the tune to the next song. Next slide, please. I'll sing it for you first. Next slide, please. Oh, it's there? Oh, sorry. I saw it right there. Um, do you know it? And I want everyone to help us sing. Thank him, thank him. Thank him in the morning, thank him at the noontime. Thank him, thank him, thank him when the sun goes down. Well, that sounds like thanking him always, every day, morning, noon, and night. So that's a good lesson for us to remember this season of Thanksgiving. So I'd like all the children to stand and turn around and look at the people sitting in the pews. I'm going to come to you one by one with the mic, and I would like you to say one thing you are thankful to God for. Ready? Family. His love. What he's done. Happiness. My mom and dad. One thing you're thankful for? Okay, she can keep thinking. One thing you're thankful for? Okay, next. I'm thankful for. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm thankful for Harry's being the best. I'm thankful for friends. Okay, and I'm thankful for all of you. You can go sit back down. Kids, thanks so much for joining us up front. Miss Melody, thank you very much. So, kids, just a reminder, you guys don't want to miss second service. Make sure that you come and join us for your Sunday school class. And just a quick reminder for the parents or any of the guardians that are here with your kids, uh, for second service, please make sure that you accompany your kids back to the check-in desk so that we can make sure that each child is accounted for properly. So just a quick reminder on that. All right, church, we've got some exciting events and things going on here at home church in the next couple of weeks. So first off, on Christmas Eve, home church is going to be putting on a Christmas play, and we need volunteers for everything. So if you're interested in being an actor, being a set hand, helping out with props, um, Amanda Freeze, who is in the back here, Amanda, if you want to go ahead and wave. Um, Amanda is going to have a sign-up sheet in the foyer, so please be sure to stop by and get your name added to the list. Speaking of the Christmas play, 
today, after second service in the gym, we are going to have our very first practice. So please make sure that if you are signed up, that you show up for the practice. And just a reminder, because it is immediately following second service, lunch will be provided for you. Our women's ministry is going to be having a pie sale. So we are in need of pie bakers and pie buyers. So if you are able to bake pies for this fundraiser, we would ask that you please reach out and contact Miss Ricky. Uh, and then as far as the orders go to place an order for your pies, you want to stop by our home cafe in the back here. And Jennifer Metzger is going to be taking orders. And all pies are going to be available for pickup on November 21st. Song and Word is continuing this Thursday night at 6.30. So we want to encourage you guys, come on out and join us for this event. Um, it's a great time of worship, fellowship, Bible study. And uh, again, guys, we have a Spanish Bible study. We have a women's Bible study. We have a men's Bible study. There's a co-ed Bible study, kids quizzing, youth group, nursery is available. So we have something to cover everybody. From the youngest to the oldest, there is something for everybody. So please come on out and join us on Thursday nights. Just a reminder that today and next Sunday, we are going to be holding our membership classes after second service. So if you are interested in becoming a member uh, or if you have any additional questions, we would encourage you to reach out and contact either Jeannie Adams or Pastor Carlos for more information. And since these classes are also following second service, we are going to provide lunch for the attendees there as well. Uh, in two weeks, church, we are going to be uh, celebrating with our celebration Sunday service. So this is going to be on November the 21st. Keep in mind on Celebration Sunday, what we're going to do is we are going to combine both services into one. So November 21st, one service. It's going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, just come out and share with us. Share in the celebration. We're going to be celebrating new members. We're going to be celebrating baptisms. So there's going to be a lot that is going on. You guys definitely don't want to miss out on that. So that is all I have as far as the events and reminders that are upcoming for you this morning. So as we move into our time of giving and worship this morning, again, we just want to thank you for remaining faithful in your tithes and offerings. And we also want to remind you that we have three different ways that you can continue your giving. So first off, you can do so online by visiting us at homechurchnv.org. Uh, you can also mail a check directly to our church offices, or if you're here with us this morning and you brought your tithe envelope with you, we have the tithe box on the back wall as you are exiting the sanctuary. Church, if you want to uh, go ahead and bow your heads with me at this time as we open in prayer this morning. Almighty and gracious God, we pray for your blessing today, Lord. As we come to give our tithes and offerings, we ask that you would bless us in return. God, cause the windows of heaven to open and pour out the showers of blessings that you have promised us. Bless us in our work with prosperity, God, so that we may keep earning money to support not only our, our families, but also your kingdom, God. 
Father, we know that you promised to bless us financially so that we can bless others too. God, we ask that you would fulfill your word in our lives today. Lord, I ask that you would also help us to have a, uh, a life of, of worship, God, thanking you in every way, in every situation, God. Lord, we believe that worshiping you is a key to breakthrough in every area of our lives, God. We believe in the power of worshiping you, and we know that your truth, it dwells in a worshiping heart, God. Lord, we offer you a sacrifice of praise right now, God. Blessed be your name. Lord, we want to pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Thank you, Mike. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Let's all stand to our feet as we worship the King of Kings. As you all see, I got a mask on right here, uh, and it says, I don't know if you can see it. What does it say? For God so loved the, that he gave his only, that whoever in him would not perish but have everlasting what an amazing thing. I had this on this morning as I was when going to uh, the store, and some guy stopped me. He said, what is that? Oh, what verse is that again? I said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. To make a long story short, witness to him for about, I'd say, two minutes. He said he would like to come to second service this morning. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is our God's so big, he can even use a mask. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Who's ready to worship Jesus? Amen. Yes. So I got a scripture I want to read real quick. It says right here, let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess. Who professes this morning in the hope in Jesus? For he who has promised is faithful. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me, Psalms 23, 4. Maybe this morning you say, well, pastor, I'm not, in, I'm not in no death right now. Like everything's going good. Praise God. Maybe this morning you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you, feel, you didn't feel like you were coming to church this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you feel alone. Our God, we can hold on to the promises that he has, that he is faithful and true to meet our need and to come through for us. Amen. We're going to sing out this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Sing with me this morning, church. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Changes not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Let's sing that again. Great is thy faithfulness, O
sing this in your native tongue. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, tu fidelidad. Oh, tu fidelidad. Cada momento la veo en mí. amazing thing that no matter what you're from in this world, our God is faithful. Amen. Great is 
This is not a new song, folks. It is giving me an idea, though. I mean, oh, God can still use two strings. <laughs> Amen.
ashes of lightning, oh, rolls of thunder.
his love just be over you right now, his presence be over you right now in Jesus' name. ready for some dead bones to come alive. Amen. Saturday was silent. Surely it was true. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Saturday was silent, surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Yeah. Friday's disappointment was Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise making dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming now. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
Come on, church. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just as the man that was thrown on the bones of Elijah, if there's anything that he can do. Just as the stone that was rolled on the tomb in the garden, what happens when God says tomorrow? Make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming now. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bone rattling. Over time, church, here we go, together. I said, This is the sound of dry bones this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you in our own life, the dead bones that were there, the bones that were crippled, spiritual arthritis, and everything else, Lord, that can come with that, you have made come alive. And Lord, this morning, we're still here, and we still got aches and pains spiritually, Lord, but we thank you for the movement of life. We thank you, God, that you've given us the strength to move, to go another day, to be here in your house, Lord. I pray a blessing upon Pastor Josh as he preaches your word this morning. What a blessing it is this morning to be able to be refreshed and to hear your word. I'm so grateful for what you're going to say. Speak to a visitor. Speak to a backslider. Bring someone back home this morning, we pray. In your precious name, we thank you. We give you the praise and the glory ahead of time before you move because we know you're going to move by faith in Jesus' name. We know it's going to happen. And we rebuke the enemy and every lie from hell that want to come against your children, your church, and say that you can't move or it will always be the same. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Holy Spirit, fill this place. 
We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Can we give our worship team a hand? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to say uh, it's, I am so, so, you know, maybe I won't do this, but can, let's see, where's Carlos? Where's Carlos? Did Carlos go backstage to go do his hair to look cool? Where's Carlos at? Before Carlos comes back, um, she better not be in the back chilling. No, I'm playing. He doesn't do that. Uh, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you from my family and I to the church here for the gifts, for the cards, for the wonderful words that were spoken uh, to my family and I. You have no idea what it meant to us. Um, You just don't know. So um, can we just say on the count of three, to my family, Arabella, my wife, and Mateo, and myself, and Carlos in the back, I guess, somewhere. On the count of three, we're going to say thank you. One, two, three. Thank Thank you. you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. And if you're visiting with us, we're so glad to have you. My name is Pastor Carlos, and if you're watching online, we're so grateful to have you. This morning, we have a special treat. Uh, so uh, without further ado, man, I could be up here all morning speaking about this man. Uh, you know, if you want a hot dog, I'm telling you right now, this is the guy to go to right here. But look, can we give a hand to Josh Wood? Amen. Praise his name. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you that we can gather here together in your name. We can openly worship you. We thank you right now as a people. We thank you as believers. We praise you. We're so thankful that you're the God who moved into our hearts and brought true freedom. Father, we come today to draw near to you, and we recognize that there's been some things in our lives that may have kept us away from you. We realize that even right now, the things that our minds are being drawn to, the burdens, the concerns, the demands, and details, they're keeping us away from you. So we pray together, dear God, help us to draw close to you. And as we do, draw close to us. Father, I pray that we'll experience a presence of an awesome Savior today. And we praise you this morning, for you are a mighty God. We praise you this morning, for you are a loving God. We praise you this morning, for you are more than able to take away any difficulty, any hardship, any problem that we may be facing. And you can bring victory. I pray that on this day, may we experience the presence of a mighty God. So come close, Lord. Take on the enemy of our lives. Teach us to be people who are open to the presence of God, who's able to change us. 
May your Holy Spirit fill this place and fill our lives today. We pray that you revive us by your spirit, revive us by your touch. Just move in your church today, move in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that you'll anoint the message and use it to further your kingdom. May your presence be known here in an awesome way. In the precious, loving name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here. Do we have any old school Nazarenes in the house? Huh? A few of us, yeah. Well, if you're glad to be here, let me hear you say, I feel like waving my hanky. Yeah? Man, I'll tell you, the Lord had me bouncing my heels over there this morning. That was some great worship time. Hey, uh, do you uh, ever struggle with decisions? Mm Mm-hmm. Like if you should quit your job or at least apply for a new one. Maybe it's a, a big purchase like a house or a car. Is this a good deal for me? Will I be able to pay this bill every month? Or maybe it's a relationship you're in and it, it doesn't seem to be very healthy for your Christian walk. And uh, maybe you need to take a step back. Or maybe not. Maybe it's a habit you've enjoyed for a while but you're just not too sure about anymore. Can you relate? From time to time I hear people say things like, uh, you know, I wish, I wish it was like it was in Bible times when God would just speak from heaven with his booming voice and say, do this and don't do that. Uh, that way I wouldn't have to guess if I'm doing the right thing or not. You ever heard something like that? Maybe you've thought that yourself. Well, believe it or not, God still speaks today. And it's amazing how he speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes it's in a dramatic way. Sometimes it's in uh, external ways. Sometimes he chooses to speak to us in an internal way. It's true. God speaks to us. But how can we really be aware so that we can really know really just what it is that he wants to say to us? Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Well, how do we do that? How can we acknowledge him? I I want us to look at that today. Let's examine more closely. How uh, can we be more aware so that uh, we can know what God actually says to us? You know, really what it comes down to is a closer, deeper relationship with the Lord. And I think uh, most of us understand that Christianity isn't about uh, rules and regulations. But it's important that we don't just stop here and dwell on that. We've got to move forward from that, okay? Because the way uh, God speaks to us is mainly through his Holy Spirit. If it's in a dramatic way or, or uh, uh, through someone else, God often uses the Holy Spirit as, as a way he'll communicate with his people. And uh, just so we understand uh, correctly, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a residual energy that's left from God's presence. He's not something that Christians create by saying just the right things or by doing good works. He's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a what. He's a who. You with me? It's not about receiving a word from a crystal ball or a horoscope. 
And it's not about receiving a word from different people who like to go around trying to prophesy over other people and, and interpret pe people's dreams and stuff like that. Uh, we're communicating with an individual. And there's different ways that we can uh, pay attention and be more aware so that we can hear from God. But please understand, hearing from God is not about a method you can learn to use. It's about a relationship. It's about developing and cultivating a relationship with God, okay? So the most important thing in figuring out how to hear the voice of God is learning how to walk in the spirit. God is spirit. He, he walks with us through his spirit. So we've got to learn how to walk in his spirit, to keep in step with his spirit. If you uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Only God knows what's going on in his spirit, but God has given us that spirit so that we can understand what God is saying. Uh, if you were in the men's Bible study last week and heard Brother Libby speaking on the Holy Spirit's role in the Christian's life, uh, you're probably not surprised that I was excited to talk about this today. Um, and just a few weeks ago in the men's Bible study, it was mentioned how God's spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. He won't drill thoughts into your head, but he'll lead you. And he's actually easily offended. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. There's things that we can do that will literally grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Spirit of God. So in order for us to hear Him, we've got to make sure to walk with Him, not to grieve Him or quench Him. In Galatians 5.16-26, uh, Apostle Paul said, uh, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, our lives, the way we live and behave, comes through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, who is indwelt and settled in us. When we're born again, the Spirit renews us and regenerates us. To live in the Spirit is to live in the reality of God's new work in our lives. The Holy Spirit gives us the life of God, and that's how we live, that his life has come into us. And if that's how we're born again, if that's how we're made new, if that's how we receive the life of God, then the way we live out our lives, our lifestyles, should also be by the Spirit of God living his life through us. You with me? So our goal our desire, our longing can't just be to receive information. 
from God. If you're thinking, wow, this, you know, this is cool. I want to hear uh, God's voice because I need to know which job I should apply for or I, if I should stay in this relationship with this person. Man, I want some information. I need to know what method to use so I can find out what I should do next. If that's what you're getting from this, you're not getting it. You're missing it. Listen, it's not about receiving a word to tell you what you need to do next. It's about nurturing a relationship with him. Okay? A lot of folks think that the Holy Spirit didn't even exist until that day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, chapter 2. In the upper room where the disciples were praying. That's not true. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit's involvement in God's people through, uh, throughout history. If you were to look through your Bible, you could see where the Holy Spirit was active in the lives of God's people in the Old Testament. Yes, he was active differently in their lives than he was in the lives of people in the New Testament. But he's still active. If you were to turn to the first book in the Bible, very first book, Genesis chapter 1, you'll see right at the very beginning the activity of the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God's Spirit was there at the very beginning. Moving over the waters. He's always been there. As a third person of the Trinity. In Judges chapter 3, we, we read about some heroes in the nation of Israel. Uh, they were deliverers from foreign oppressors, and they were called judges. Judges chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. Othniel needed power from God. To be able to be the deliverer and to become the judge for Israel. And it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and empowered him for that task. But when God's Spirit was done working in him for this purpose, the Spirit was lifted off of him. And that's how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. He would come upon someone and empower them for a task. In Judges uh, chapter 13 through 16, we can read how the Spirit of God would come upon Samson and empower him for a moment, and then lift off of him when he had finished a certain task. In Psalm 51, when David prayed a, a prayer of repentance, he prayed, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, because that really was a possibility. The Holy Spirit actually stepping away from a person's life. So when Jesus spoke to his disciples, this is pretty much all they understood of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus wanted them to understand that something was going to change. The Holy Spirit was no longer going to rest upon someone just to empower them for a task and then leave. 
The Holy Spirit was now going to abide in them. The Holy Spirit would now enter a person's life and settle there. In the Gospel of John 14, 17, when Jesus was talking about how this was going to happen, he says that the spirit of truth, the world, cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But, I really like this part, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus said that because scripture says that he had the Holy Spirit without measure. So he said he lives with you because he was in Jesus. Therefore, he was with the disciples. But Jesus says something's going to change. He won't just be living with you, but he'll be within you. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 19 and 20, do, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? The Holy Spirit, he'll literally take up residence inside a child of God. If you're a born-again follower of Christ, the Spirit of God will literally come to settle in and take up residence and live inside you. And that's what we see happening the same day of Jesus' resurrection. The disciples had understood that the Holy Spirit was with them, but then something changed. John chapter 20, uh, we're told that the disciples were gathered there, probably praying, comparing notes, trying to figure out what to do next. But also they were hiding in that room with the doors locked tight for fear of the Jewish leaders. They didn't want to be next. They saw what they did to Jesus. They didn't want to be next. All of a sudden, Jesus is standing there. And he tells them, peace be with you. And verse 20 and 21 says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and a side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And uh, with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in that moment, they were to receive the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them. Seems, sounds kind of weird, right? If we're being honest, if you try to imagine that, sounds kind of weird. Why do you breathe on them? Why not just say the word? He could have just said it. Well, in the Old Testament language, in the Hebrew, the word for breath or breathing is ruah. And then in the Greek, when you come to the New Testament, the word for breath or breathing is pneuma. Okay? Genesis 2-7 says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Both those words there would be ruah. And then the man uh, became a living being, a living soul. Now listen to this. The word ruah and the word pneuma are, are the same words used in the Old Testament and the New Testament for the word 
spirit when we talk about the spirit of God. And then we read in the beginning of the Old Testament about how the the breathing and the letting of his spirit move into that body made from dust, turning Adam into a living soul. And now in the New Testament, Jesus, who is the creator, who was there in the beginning, is sitting with the disciples in that room and he breathes on them. And he says, now receive the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit came into the disciples and they were receiving the Spirit of God. Now fast forward 50 days to the day of Pentecost. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the disciples, not just the 12, but like 120 of the disciples were gathered in the upper room there and they're praying. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, just 50 days earlier, they were in a room with Jesus inspecting his hands and his side. He breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. But here, it says that these same disciples, on that day, the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'd have to say there's two different things going on. We have someone receiving the Spirit, and we have someone being filled with the Spirit. And then if you turn a couple of chapters over to chapter 4, we, we have this, uh, the same group of disciples from Acts uh, 2, the same group of disciples who were with Jesus, and he showed them his hands and his side. And now we see that they're being threatened by the Jewish authorities because they've been preaching the name of Jesus in Jerusalem, and it was making the authorities crazy. Scripture says they were greatly disturbed. They were mad. The authorities had uh, already gotten a hold of Peter and John, and now they were looking for the others so they could arrest them and beat them and maybe even kill them if they didn't knock it off with this Jesus talk. And so the disciples gather together, and they're praying for each other, And verse 31 of Acts 4 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. So three things here. The disciples in this room with Jesus not very long after his resurrection, he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Then the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit is poured out upon them, it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a few days later, when they're praying together again, it says the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants us to receive the Spirit. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit And he wants us to be filled again with his Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? 
Well, listen, when you think of the filling of the Holy Spirit, don't think of a cup or a glass being filled with water or whatever. That's not the idea of filling that we're talking about here. When we're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit, that's when we repent and and commit our life to Christ. And we become born again. It's where you have all of him. Being filled with the Spirit is where he has all of you. You see the difference? There's something that happens when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that there's power that comes into a person's life. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. And we see that this actually happens just a short while later on the day of Pentecost. Please notice with me when Jesus said this, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall receive power. This is after he'd already met with them in the upper room and breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did you, did you notice that? So between the time that they received the Holy Spirit and Jesus made this promise and it was fulfilled, the disciples were living in fear. We're told they were holed up in that room with the door locked tight. They were hiding because they were afraid that the Jews were going to arrest them or kill them. But after the day of Pentecost, things changed. They were going out and preaching on the streets to the very Jews who were cheering for Jesus to be crucified, to the very people who would more than likely cheer for them to be crucified. If they had Jesus killed, they would be just fine with killing these disciples. Yet here they are, with boldness and power, proclaiming the message of the cross to anybody who could hear. There was this power that had come upon them. Also, the filling of the Holy Spirit results in purpose in a person's life. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes to the church about uh, being filled with the Spirit. and, uh, And he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know what the definition of debauchery is? I looked it up. It's defined as the seduction away from a duty, allegiance, or virtue, a period of extreme dissipation. The King James Version uses that word dissipation. Do not get drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I also looked up the word for dissipation, and and, and it's defined as a distraction, a diversion, but also a wasting by misuse. And listen to this one, the state of disintegrating like a mist into thin air. Paul's comparing this idea of wasting your life and he's saying if you get drunk with wine, any kind of alcohol, which by the way is called spirits, think about that. If you're controlled by any kind of drugs, if your life is somehow consumed by any other kind of substance at all, What happens when you get drunk? The alcohol takes over. You are no longer in control. The alcohol is in control. 
and you'll, you'll waste your life away if you live that kind of lifestyle. If it's drugs, alcohol, whatever, if you live that kind of lifestyle, you'll waste your life. It'll dissipate into nothing. And Paul's comparing that idea with the filling of the Spirit. So it's not really about filling up a vessel. It's the fact that when you're filled with drugs or alcohol, and that's what controls your life, you've wasted it. Maybe that's why they call it getting wasted. I don't know. But he's telling us when when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're controlled by the Spirit, our life has meaning. It has purpose. It's the only way we can live and the fulfillment of that purpose that Christ has ordained for us from the beginning of, of the age is, hey, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to control me, that's the only way my life is going to have meaning. Amen? And then the filling of the Spirit results in God's life being lived through us. In John 7, Jesus is at the great feast, and, and he declares to the crowd, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus was saying that the Spirit will be like water in you, and he's going to flow out of your lives so that when you meet people, when you interact or deal with people, sometimes people can be difficult. But when you're engaged in the world, Jesus says, the one who's actually going to engage in the world is my Spirit, who is living within you. He wants to flow out through your life. So you've got to understand that living a Christian life is not about you trying to imitate Jesus. Living the Christian life is not about you trying to keep a certain set of rules and regulations. It's not about you trying to behave and, and, or acting like a good Christian. Living the Christian life is about you allowing the Spirit of God to live His life through you so that, now listen, so that it's not you who are touching others, but it's the Spirit of God flowing through you who is touching others. That's what true Christianity is all about. It's not rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. It's not about understanding theology just right. It's not about any of that stuff. When it gets right down to it, Christianity is about Jesus Christ coming into your life and filling you. And then living his life through you. Because we can't live it. I need him to live his life through me. And you need him to live his life through you. Amen? Without the fullness of the Spirit in our lives, we're powerless. We might be saved, but we'll be like those disciples were. Purposeless, powerless, and afraid. 
And so how do we receive the fullness of the Spirit in our lives? We need to have the Spirit enter into us. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. That's salvation. When you repent and give your life to Christ, that's when the Spirit enters your life. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a, it was deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Philip Yancey, an American Christian author, tells a story about C.S. Lewis. Yancey writes, During a British conference on comparative religions, experts from around the world debated what, if any, belief was unique to the Christian faith. They began eliminating possibilities. Incarnation, other religions had uh, different versions of gods appearing in human form. Resurrection, again, other religions had accounts of return from death. The debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis wandered into the room. What's the rumpus about, he asked, and heard in reply that his colleagues were discussing Christianity's unique contribution among the world religions. And C.S. Lewis responded, oh, that's easy. It's grace. You see, Christianity is different from all the other religions because Buddhism, Islam, whatever, they were founded by people who wrote ideas and rules. And those founders are dead now. Sure, you can still follow their religion. You can try to follow their rules and try to live the way they say that you need to live. But Christianity isn't like that at all. Christianity isn't about some guy who wrote a bunch of rules and then he died 2,000 years ago. And now we're trying to follow his book. The Christian life is about the living God who was crucified and died and rose again and is alive today. And he wants to live in you so that when you repent and turn away from your sin in your life and become born again, you're not committing to any idea or philosophy. You're, you're being occupied by the very presence of God who enters into you. That's why we call it regeneration. New life. Your body becomes a vessel, a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not about a belief system or even following a certain set of rules. It's an engagement with the living God who enters and takes up residence inside of you. And then not only do we have to receive Christ, we then need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That day of Pentecost was a huge turning point for the disciples' lives when God filled them with power. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a transformation that happens. There's a new power that comes into your life. There's an anointing, a blessing that wasn't there before. There's a sense of joy, a sense of peace that wasn't there before. And you've been changed. You become a new person when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's awesome. Amen. In Romans 12, 1, the Apostle Paul said, 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, here is my life, God. Every single bit of it. We need to receive. We need to be filled. But then we also need to be filled again. And again. And again. Take another look at Ephesians 5.18 with me. It says, Do not be drunk with wine, which, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. That's present tense. So continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. It needs to happen over and over again. It's a daily surrender to the control of our lives, to the Spirit of God. You see, I probably don't have to tell you this, but we go through dry seasons. Sometimes we just get drained, don't we? We get depleted, and we need renewal in our lives. There comes a time when we need a fresh touch from Him, a new feeling from our God from the God of our lives. So continually be filled with the Spirit. It's ongoing. You still with me? Next, when you're filled with wine, you're controlled by wine. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're controlled by the Spirit. It's an issue of who's in control. That's why receiving the Holy Spirit is having all of Him. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is Him having all of you. In other words, you're giving up control and giving Him control in your life. And then also, it's a command. Be filled. It's not an option. Yes, it is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, but we do bear some responsibility. We're not spiritual robots. We have to choose to obey or disobey. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. But if we choose to not allow the Spirit to fill us, we'll be powerless. Trying to live a religion full of regulations. Now, it's important to understand this. This is something that uh, is done to us. In other words, we're not, he's not saying fill yourselves with the Holy Spirit. We can't do that. It says be filled. What if God commanded you to be loved? Well, can you make somebody love you? No. You can't force somebody to love you, but you can be lovable. Does that make sense? Paul's saying allow yourself to be filled because the Holy Spirit is waiting to fill us. He wants to do that, so be fillable. The Living Translation Bible says it like this, be filled with the Holy Spirit and controlled by him. We have to make ourselves available to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to continue to do that. So if being filled with the Spirit is about control of our lives, then our biggest enemy is self, right? The Holy Spirit is going to be in control, then our self can't be in control. And here's where a battle takes place. I know this isn't on the screen, so don't be mad at me, but Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. Listen close. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Self makes you go, you're not the boss of me. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I do what I want. You see? 
just constantly battling against the spirit. The spirit needs to be in control of our lives, and we have to deal with this sometimes daily. Then Luke chapter 9, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he, he had just told them that very soon there was, he was going to uh, suffer many things, and he was going to be rejected by the, uh, the elders, the chief priests and the scribes. He tells them he's going to be killed, and on the third day he'll be raised again. And then he says in verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now think about this. Can you imagine what was going through the disciples' heads when he said this? I mean, in our day, we think of a cross, we think of some nice piece of jewelry or a decoration on the wall, but really, to the ones hearing Jesus speak that day, the cross was an instrument of death. If you were carrying a cross, it was because you're about to be crucified. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, he meant that you're going to die. And he said, every day, daily, take up your cross. But notice how he says it, deny yourself. Then take up your cross. Then follow me. So it's following Christ, but it's necessary to deny self. That's what he's saying has to die. If I'm taking my cross to die and I'm denying myself, then the thing that's dying is self. And the Apostle Paul says that we need to do that daily. Keep on being filled over and over again. Only when we're filled with the Spirit can we walk in the Spirit. And only when we walk in the Spirit can we truly be aware, listening for His voice. So we can know that what He really wants to, to say to us. We, we need to pray for that. And, and I believe that He'll do it. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Father, here or in line, uh, if anyone listening today hasn't been born again and received your spirit, I ask that you help them to pray just a simple prayer. Lord, forgive me for all the mess in my life, for all the sin I've done against you. I open the door of my life and I ask you today to come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And for the ones who have been born again but they're they never really had that moment where they've laid down control of their lives and invited you, uh, your Holy Spirit, to come in and take control, and they've never been filled with the Spirit. Help them to pray right now. Lord, I'm taking self-control, self-passion, self-will, all my desires, and I'm laying it all on the altar. I'm dying to self, and I'm counting self dead to sin, dead to my own plans for my life. I'm laying it down. God, I'm inviting you to fill me with your spirit so that you are in control of my life. For those, Lord, who've been born again and they've laid their life on the altar and they've been filled with your spirit and life has just had a way of moving them somewhere off the path where they seem stuck and they're just drained, touch them afresh today, Lord. Maybe for some they've denied their self and they've taken up their cross but they haven't done it daily. And self has slowly been creeping back in. Help them to once again lay down self and ask you to fill them once again. We don't want to slip back into trying to live in the power of the flesh. We want to live in the power of your spirit. Help those of us who need to renew a, a commitment to you to lay self on the altar and invite you to fill us and control us by your spirit.
Thank you for your presence here with us today, Father. Touch us anew. In the mighty and loving name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. May the presence of God go before you. May the presence of God go behind you. And may the presence of God so fill you this week that you know the voice of God. Thanks for listening. Wow, church, we're going to get some new members. Amen? Amen. Um, and then Christmas play practice also uh, after second service. So if you have some children, come to that. Uh, be blessed this week. Uh, thank you for coming. Have an amazing day. Amen. Thank you.